I'm Lauren. I'm Tia. And this is the journey to transformation. Hello. Hello. Your nose is burnt. I know. <laughs> Can you believe it, everyone? It's April and I went away for the weekend and burnt my nose, which I feel like is a classic British person thing. It's a classic white British person thing. Classic white British person thing. Thank you. For um, the English rose. Yeah. Isn't that what you call really white people? I, I think country? so, yeah. But that first moment of sun and I failed. <laughs> <laughs> you had one chance. <laughs> I know. They tell you to put sunscreen on for 25 years. What's that Eminem song you like? You had one lose shot. Yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, lose yourself. Yes, that is my favourite running song. Just really get to me, isn't it? You had but one you- shot not to burn your nose. <laughs> yeah. And I failed. You know, the reason that I burnt my nose is because we went away, didn't we? We did. We went to Camp Quirky. And for listeners who have been with us on this long journey to transformation, you'll know that we were at Camp Quirky last May. It's a van life festival. Or for people who just listened to the last episode where we talked about this. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) You may not have stuck with us this whole time. Yeah. If you have, thanks. What do they call it? The handmade camper van festival. The largest handmade camper van festival in Europe? Yeah. Or not in Europe anymore. Maybe the world. world? I think so. Is it the only one? I don't know if it's okay. the only one. Last year we did the podcast from there. But this year, Tia did something a bit different. I taught a two-day self-defense class. <laughs> it was an hour and a half each day that kind of spun out into one day. It was two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. People were just so into it. People were very into it. So you did self-defense for people who have vans, right? Yes. Yep. So thinking about perhaps the nuances of being in a small space on your own, it being your house, not just your car. Exactly. Um, nice summary. Yeah. How you get out the door. You know, I don't how you know get if, in the door. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have opened van doors, but there are side doors that are really heavy. And yeah. what do you do if someone's chasing you into the door? And how do you get out your seatbelt? All these things. Yeah, we did some demos. We did a lot of activities where people were being chased around. Yeah, yeah. everyone else is like, what is going on? Yeah. It was a bit of a health and safety nightmare. <laughs> yeah, there was fake guns, fake knives. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. There was a surprisingly high amount of engagement and interaction. I kind of thought there'd maybe be like six people. So I really only brought enough equipment for maybe 10 people to do stuff. It was fine. You just spread it out and you just change what you're doing. But there were 45 people there. Yeah, people were really into it. And I think that just, you know, says that people want to feel safe when they're in their vans. It's one of the key things that people want, especially lone travelers or people on their own. Yeah. If there's anything I've learned from the van life community, it's that your van is a very, very personal space in as much as a house might be. It almost feels like a little bit more than that because it does so much more for you. You know, you travel around in it. It takes you places where you create memories. You know, people name their vans. You know, I very much feel connected to this van. It feels like part of my close universe Mm. when it had to go away for a couple of weeks to get some body work done. I miss the van. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And it brings people together in the van life community, right? Camp quirky. Everyone arrives in their vans and as Tia said, with stickers on, with like fun colors on, different sizes, shapes. I didn't say that. (laughs) You said stickers or something. Nope. I thought you did. You're not listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you said like they have stickers on or something. Drink some more of that coffee. Um, Anyway, they come in all shapes and sizes. We even went into an old German fire truck that had been converted. That was dope. Yeah, it's massive. It's huge. Like I think it had like a picture of a boar on the side of it. Imagine a lorry 
or a big shipping container that just got cut in half and then stick a little car on the top of it. Yeah. Or on the was, front of it. It was I wild. mean, if you saw that driving around, you'd be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> that's an apocalypse. Yeah, like, literally. That's, that's the end of times yeah. kind of car. I love, I love that. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when they put it up for sale, we know what till we'll be buying next. And I do think people are very open and talkative, especially to look around something that's so personal to you. Like yeah. people have their doors open and they're like, yeah, come and look, you know. It's a very bizarre experience. For me as an American in this country, I find it very, very strange because your people aren't known for this kind of friendliness, openness and warmth. Yeah. So the idea that somebody would just wander into what is effectively my home and like stick their nose in and open the cabinets and stuff like that. And that I am also invited to do that. First off, as a human being of color, being openly invited to like tinker around and open people's drawers and stuff is like a bizarre concept, right? Like in America, you get shot for that shit. So like it's totally fine to do that Mm -hmm. which I love but it's so strange to me yeah it's a really good point and people are just so yeah come look do whatever you want ask questions giving up their time to other people it's amazing Hmm. people invited me to shit in their toilets because they got new incinerator toilets you know (laughs) I don't understand it's it's such a community feel about it yeah people like come in have a look and I think probably in the strongest way I feel that if you had a problem somebody would be able to help you if you were like my van is like not working and you were there or around people I just get a sense that they be like, okay, let's figure this out. Let yeah. me find someone that can help you. Yeah. It's a very close community, I feel. Yeah. Last year we saw that. We saw a few people helping somebody with their van. Oh, yes. Just ad hoc. We are friends with the Camp Quirky team. We don't work for them, but we think it's great. Yeah. It's really good what they've created. And basically what it is, is you go and there's like converters you can talk to. I have one complaint. Oh, no. I've got a couple of complaints. This lifestyle is fine. I just don't want it thrown in my face. <laughs> Expand. Nearly all the food stalls were vegan. Oh. <laughs> the dessert was only vegan. So it was vegan crepes and vegan gelato. Which is fine. If people want to live that way, I feel like people should be able to, you know, love whatever food you want to love. I just don't need it thrown in my face. Yeah. The gelato was okay. <laughs> there was sourdough toast gelato. Like, can you believe it? Yeah, you were pretty fixated on it that. It was so good though. Yeah, it was very weird flavor and weird texture, but somehow quite moorish really satisfying Hmm. anyway (laughs) we had to go to a place called the cake hole to find non-vegan i just needed something that that Mm. also had gluten in it (laughs) they had like maybe one or two cakes that were i have high gluten requirements (laughs) (laughs) have to be outside the burger van most days (laughs) we probably ate like six burgers i have to get running again this week yeah and there was a wellness village as well where you could carve mushrooms out of wood or yeah. lots of people running around with like pieces of sandpaper going to sh- 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 sanding their mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other big feature of Camp Quirky this year was the dogs. Yeah. So I heard someone say they sold like 500 dog tickets. So yeah. dogs are a big factor in van life. Generally, people yeah. take their dogs away with them or even live in the van full time with their dogs. Yeah. So people are keen to hear like what other people are doing and how they're keeping their dogs safe and blah, blah, blah. It was funny in the self-defense class because people were like, can I bring my dog i was like a dog is part of your life if that's in your life you need to incorporate it into how you think about your own safety so, yeah yeah so there were dogs who did not like seeing their owners being attacked <laughs> yeah yeah some dogs are very nervous <laughs> yeah that's good for them yeah yeah it was nice to have dogs uh, around the edge getting involved that's we, it. we've talked a lot about camcorder yeah yeah, yeah. 
So maybe we should come back to the key place where Tia was doing her self-defense and like where we've actively engaged with guests and hosts or talkers. Talkers, what are they called? Speakers. Talkers. <laughs> where we've engaged with speakers before is at the Diversify Van Life tent. And the aim of that tent is to, yeah, diversify people who are contributing to, speaking about all sorts of things around van life. We assume that's the aim. Yeah, I assume that's the aim. And so that's where Tia gets put. Because um, I'm brown. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've seen the evolution a bit of this tent from last year where we um, interviewed a few people on our podcast from that tent. Yeah, I think the aim of it is that my understanding is that the team at Camp Corky realized that van life is hashtag so white. Yes. So tried to bring into this space more diversity. I'm not entirely sure how it works, though, because to what you were saying before is the point about bringing more diverse voices in. Is it about diversity in the topic and the speaker? Yeah. Like as a queer woman of color, could I talk about anything? Does it have to be related to Vans? Or is the fact that I'm a queer woman of color the metric? <laughs> yeah. That's the success criteria. Sort of Inclusion like, criteria, I mean. Yeah. I mean, it sort of reflects a little bit on the humanitarian development sector where it's like someone who's the head of diversity or someone who's <laughs> like in a diversity group is the criteria. You have to be a queer woman or a black woman or whatever to, yeah. to lead that group. I think there's some similarities there in terms of is it just the presence of or is it the experience of? or you know like yeah because there was also there were four people talking about van life starts at 50 oh yeah and so i was just a bit like is it because you're old because <laughs> 50 is not old mm. what is diverse about you <laughs> yeah i think maybe i might be post 50 because all the stuff that they had in terms of making your life more comfortable i had like four years ago so <laughs> i was like oh okay i suppose the missing piece of the puzzle a little bit is so like there was you there was um, a black person talking about triathlons mm. and another um person color talking about van life of 50 yeah there's a black person talking about wellness diversity and wellness oh yes but this is kind of my point you can't just stick diversity in front of the thing mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, my kind of thought was like, these are all yeah interesting topics, but where's the bit around what does it mean to be a black person in the van life community? Mm. And I don't know if there is like a continual thread because I didn't attend all these talks. So maybe people were reflecting on that a bit. We saw one talk around like single mums. Yeah. And that was a black person with their son. Mm -hmm. Shout out to them. Mum and son travels. Yes. On Instagram. That's right. And they did reflect a bit on what it was like to be that person more of a single mother actually i think perhaps but i have some concerns about them because they said they're going to america that is not a safe place for people of color don't go <laughs> if you're listening to this don't go go anywhere else don't go there yeah. that place is dodgy as fuck i mean i guess for me like i went the route of riding the fact that i'm a queer woman of color <laughs> to teach what you love yeah to teach something that's important to me that i love but is also highly highly relevant and related right yes because it's related to being safe while you're traveling and relevant to people there are lots of people who travel by themselves so a lot of people who appeared to me as women who were traveling alone and wanted to know different things that they could do for example if they wanted a romantic dalliance on the road <laughs> and they wanted to get rid of them quick <laughs> what do they do shoot them out the boot yeah <laughs> out the roof <laughs> i know i was like just hug and roll them out the back <laughs> But I guess there's kind of like a joining of elevating voices and trying to find relevance to the van life community. Because if people aren't interested in the topic 
type that you're talking about. Like one of them we passed by and there was six people in there. It probably wasn't as relevant. So you're not really elevating anybody's voice. You're just making it feel really awkward that there's only six people in a massive fucking tent. Yeah. No, that that's a hard one because you want to make it worthwhile people's time as well and to share their experiences. Yeah. I think the good segue from that, because obviously this is probably quite boring if you didn't go, but the segue to that is a new thing that appeared, which is Camp Quirky. Camp Quirky. Don't say it like that. It sounds the same. Say Camp Quirky and say Camp Quirky. Camp Quirky. Camp Quirky. It sounds the same. (laughs) I think the second time I sounded, I sound like from Liverpool. Camp Quirky. Quirky. Yeah, Camp Quirky. (laughs) Quirky. Camp Quirky. Okay. (laughs) And that is effectively, well, they tried to explain it, but I don't think we really got a coherent explanation about what Camp Quirky is. Yeah. Except for that it's a queer play on Camp Quirky. Yes. And a space where queer people could go, but also anybody else, really, that wanted to be away from the is that the busyness plus, plus, plus of people <laughs> yeah it could could be the plus plus <laughs> and everybody else <laughs> it almost was like okay it was conceived of by queer people but an offshoot of the festival <laughs> yeah if anybody can go I guess I have some questions about what makes it different because anybody can go to the big festival as well. Yes. But then I don't know, what what does a space like that look like when you put a parameter on it and you say nobody else, you have to be queer? Like, how do they know that you're queer in space? I don't know. There's a test. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look at your fingernails. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so this space, yeah, was different or built on from last year because I think it organically happened where people gathered last year and yeah. then they've made it more official or formal yes. that this space existed. But it was quite far away from the main site, wasn't it? It was very far away. It was like miles away. We went on a three and a half kilometer run and passed it. <laughs> <laughs> Trudy. Yeah. It- felt very far away and that was by choice of the people who had organized it i think you know it was a point that the organizers really wanted to reinforce is that we didn't we didn't get away <laughs> yes because that's the main point how do you view a space that's really far away that people were questioning or oh, why has it been put over there in a really far away in the car park in fact um is there a reason that it's been separated so distinctly from yeah. the main event well i wanted to go there that's where i would have wanted to park but it was too far from everything else it didn't feel part of the broader community that I want to be a part of. Like I live my homo life every day. I want to be seen. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that feels important to me as opposed to being off to the side. Yeah. There's a bit of a contradiction there in terms of becoming more visible in the diversified tent and then being less visible in a space that's placed far away. That's yeah, a really interesting yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. The reason why we're talking about it is because one of the people who organized it was describing it as a safe space. And that really twigged my ears. Is that a phrase? Yeah, it is now. Okay. Perked my ears up. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about safe spaces because a safe space for one who would appear to be a cisgender white male, though a gay man, is different from a, how would you describe yourself? A pansexual white woman. Someone who loves pants. <laughs> See, this is what I get every day. People tears like, oh, do you love that tire? Oh, do you love that bin? Or, oh, what about that, I don't know, thing over there? <laughs> Daily discrimination, I guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't fall in love with my laptop, please. <laughs> Shut up. You know, it's different for you. Yeah. It's different for me. Yes. 
I understand the utility of the space, but it was a space that was created because of an individual preference. So the way he described it is, I don't like big groups. I don't like loud noises. So I decided it was going to be over here. And so in that discussion, I thought, oh, it might be useful for us to talk a little bit about safe spaces because people are always like, it's a safe space. It's a safe space. Yeah. And I think very much in our sector, people are like, we're going to create a safe space or enable a safe space or do our activities in a safe space. Or declaring that things are safe. Yeah. So I thought maybe we should just do a little quickie on safe spaces. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, why not? (laughs) So what's a safe space? So safe space is, I guess, where people feel that they can be themselves authentically, just be whoever they need to be without being judged yep. is what I'd imagine. Though I will say that's not the official definition. <laughs> is <it> official definition? <laughs> it's now mine. I mean, I think that's the point is that there cannot be an official definition, right? People bring things to that space, which we'll talk about a bit later. But for me, when I think about safe spaces, I think about them as places where you don't have to worry mm. Which interestingly is a bit different if you're creating a queer safe space, but anyone is invited. Yeah, I think the thing there as well is, I don't know why, but when you're talking about safe spaces and this person saying this is what it's going to be and everyone can come in, I think of control. Mm. And I don't know why, like a space feels like something that somebody is trying to control. And I don't know if that feels natural Okay, when you're creating something that's safe. And I think in this case, they're saying that anyone can come in. Right. There's not kind of a control on like what safety means for the people in that space. Yes. But I don't like the word control because it makes me think of also power and somebody having power over a space, like somebody being able to say, we're going to create a safe space. There's an assumed power in their ability to be able to create that space. (laughs) And so, yeah, kind of going on a bit of a tangent down a rabbit hole here, but there's a couple of things coming up for me there. Sure. I mean, I think... When we think of safe spaces, they should be designed for specific groups of people. Mm. And that's why sometimes I think it is useful to have spaces that are differentiated. Like you might have space that's just for the queer community. You might have a space that's just for women or for people of color. It's why like... Or over 50s. Or over 50s. You're creating a safe space for that group of people, which might be different from another group of people. So if you say this is a safe space for queer people and everybody comes in, you may not actually be creating a safe space right? Like you're creating a different kind of space and that can also be safe, but it's not now designed for a specific group of people. Right. Because if you say this is a safe space for women, but everyone can come and then you've got men, you've got, you know what I mean? You may not actually be creating Mm. the safety that you think you are. Yeah. It's an assumption that everyone views safety from the same lens as you do, which is, I'm not, I mean, I'm not picking on anybody here, but like it will be different for a cisgender white man Mm. than it would be for a queer woman of color. It would be different for different people, how they view safety. And I think that that's why it's important to think about creating safe spaces together. Yeah. I can't speak a safe space into existence. You cannot declare it's a safe space. You can't declare, I declare bankruptcy. (laughs) Do you know this reference? No. It's a reference from the office. Oh, At what point are we going to decide it's a fucking war crime that you don't (laughs) watch The Office? All right, well, I I may have to watch it at some point. Let's see. I said a thought there before you ruined it with The Office. 
Oh, yeah. I was going to say, well, at the beginning of Zoom calls, everyone in our sector declares a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> this is a safe space. Everybody speak freely. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. You can't tell me it's safe because you don't you haven't asked me what safe looks like to me. Mm. Right. So in the context of Camp Quirky being in the fucking wilderness, just on the wilderness, it was in a car park, but it was really far away. You can't declare that that's safe because for you you gave an example of what in terms of the distance yeah i mean i was thinking that as a woman i wouldn't have wanted to walk far in the dark to get to somewhere like that i understand how it might have felt safe for some people but my safety is like i don't want to walk that far in the dark yeah after i've been drinking to find my van you know like yeah, you like, were wasted <laughs> whatever <laughs> but you know i don't want that and it's i guess it's important to think about how decisions affect people in different ways so the mm -hmm. choice of having it there may be really useful for people who actually really struggle with noise but one of the things that they raised is that by having it over there which was a decision of a single individual or a small you know one or two people it actually made it less accessible for people who have very different accessibility requirements. Yes. Which they acknowledged, which I think was useful. But that's kind of my point, is creating a safe space is not something I declare. I cannot declare that it is safe. Other people have to create it with me. I guess that kind of moves us on to the importance of co-creating yes. safe spaces. So when we think about spaces that are designed to be supportive and inclusive environments, we're thinking about them in particular for people who are marginalized in some way or the world is being a dick yeah. for some reason. And that means that kind of what we were talking about before is that it's really important to bring people together to co-create these spaces. Because if you're thinking about how to facilitate the sense of belonging, I was trying to figure out the right wording for this, but how to facilitate a sense of belonging mm. or how to bring people together or invite people to spaces where they can feel validated and empowered you can't just magic that into existence yeah and i think you're right you have to ask like what would a safe space be for you and because i think often the word safe is just kind of assumed to be the same for everybody right and and i think has often perhaps more in, in my world been associated with crime or you know how do you feel safe or whatever and i do sort of feel like it's one of those words that we all think we know until something intersects with it and we feel unsafe sure i only perhaps know what safe is until i feel unsafe right or until something like makes me feel a bit oh i feel nervous or anxious or i don't like this situation yeah so i could name maybe what i wouldn't like <laughs> more than i could say what a safe space is does right. that make sense yes yeah. and so this is you know my personal thought on that so there probably are lots of personal thoughts on that yeah. you know and, and having that feedback space to do that and that's the problem is because to promote emotional and mental well-being among marginalized groups of people or lesser heard or lesser listened to groups of people you have to listen to them mm -hmm. you have to bring them together and the multiplicity and plurality of opinions and views and feelings is what makes the co-creation of safe spaces really hard because what one person needs may be different from what another person needs. And this is where we get into the kind of like intersectional experiences because from my own view, I have this one lens. So safe space for me is this, 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 and this. And empowering space is this, 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 this. So how do you bring all of those things together so that you're meeting multiple people's expectations of what a safe space is it's not easy mm. yeah no surely not in the case of camp quirky it may be like gathering feedback and moving it closer yeah it might not be a huge 
change in some ways. But yeah. I mean, when you're speaking about power and control, which always exists, whatever you're trying to do, I think this is like a really relevant space, right? Because the power holders were like one or two people, but it's always that tension of coordination versus control. Mm. Because whenever you're trying to organize something, you have to have some control over it because you're trying to organize it just from a practical sense. Yes. Like I need to make these decisions. How you make the decisions maybe is always open to more inclusive this is not a pitch for us to be involved in this i do not want to get involved in this i just want to share my opinions about whatever it is do not invite me to be like a co-chair on any fucking panel i will say no i will scream in your face but I think bringing voices in, understanding what safety means. I think this is the foundation laying. This is part of its evolution, right? Like this is the second year it's happened. It's first formal year that it's happened. So anything, any kind of movement, it will grow and it will evolve and it will change and people will learn. And I agree. I hope they seek feedback in some way to reach out to whoever to find out what those multiple lens of safety looks like. I mean, I'm giving feedback right now. So. Yeah, but not just you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also like just to acknowledge that you can attempt to, through collaboration or co-creation, create what could be a safe space. But some people still might choose not to be in that safe space, even if they're from that particular group, because some people might prefer to be amongst the crowds or the larger community or whatever. Kind of thinking about what you said earlier in, you know, your a lesbian in your everyday life do you then want to go and be more in that space I think like also acknowledging that people may or may not come go whatever the choice is in that because I think sometimes at least in the humanitarian sector there's kind of an assumed we create a space for you therefore you need to be in a safe space if you, you, know? if you build it they will come yeah right you know it doesn't work like that people still have choice if you build it I will go over there but I just don't want it to be so fucking far <laughs> so like get a shuttle bus to take me over there you said co-liberation. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I mean like creating something that everyone feels lifts them up or everyone benefits from. Through kind of working together, there is like an equal can't find my words but like I don't want to say benefit because I hate the word benefit but like there's kind of an equal yeah benefit from I can't find the word for that okay high tides lift all boats yes there we go <laughs> oh my god that's exactly what was about to come out of my mouth okay I don't know if that's the exact phrase no, but it's very close to it <laughs> in conversations about safe spaces sometimes it's a parallel conversation about the third space okay I've never heard about this before right so like this is my dance space this is your dance space when we come together, we create a third space. Okay. And it's a space that is part of the social environment that is created when individuals come together. So it's a community space, right? So it's the space that's created when you come together with the other people. Yes. But the other space is just your individual space. So is it individual and community or is it not quite as defined as that? Would it help you to think about a Venn diagram? Oh, yes. We love Vens. There you go. Okay. That's cool. what it is. Okay, great. Okay. Me, you, me, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who couldn't see that, which is everyone, because we're not recording this one, I just made two circles with my hands. Cross them over. Cross them over. <laughs> and, you know, I think that the third space is a really important concept when we think about safe spaces, right? Because in this instance, what I would say is that no third space was 
consciously created because a small group of people said, this is our circle, come into our circle, as opposed to my circle meets your circle, meets your circle, meets your circle. And oh, we I all bring see. it together. Yeah. Does that make sense? And I think that's quite similar to what the humanitarian sector does when it's like, I'm creating this meeting or this workshop, come into my workshop. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas perhaps that's not comfortable for people or people don't want to do that. That's why we're such big supporters and promoters of participant-led approaches, because you stop making you... <laughs> The sector mm-hmm. stops making decisions about what the space looks like. You don't dictate the space. You ask people, what does this space look like? What would you like it to look like? And then you facilitate the creation of that space. Yes. So in this instance, you don't say, come to this workshop. You ask, what is a way that would be most comfortable for you to receive this information or to learn or to whatever, or to engage with this whatever thing? And then people might say, come to my house, come to this whatever come to this existing community group, fuck off, whatever it is they say. And then you do that. Oh, absolutely. So I think that's an important concept of figuring out what it is that people need. So the third space is is really like a place where people interact with one another. They engage in activities. It is the safe space, right? It's a more clearly defined safe space in the sense that it is one that is manifested when multiple people come together. Yeah. It's not bringing you into mine. It's actively making I guess it's such a good way to look at it as that space kind of outside of yourself and kind of see it as, you know, here's my space, everyone else has their space, but there's this other space over here that right now has nothing to do with me, but needs to be created. Each of us needs to put in a little bit of that pie chart for it to form the circle for the Ben, you know? I think that that's a really nice way to separate it from yourself. And I think that that would really help a lot of the sector instead of kind of making assumptions and diving into spaces that are already created. So I think that's a nice way to look at it. I I think my point around it being a useful thing for the sector is, well, maybe we should promote through our feminist learning and stuff. Yeah. How do you create that third space that people contribute to? And then that's where the participation or workshops or whatever happens. And it's almost like taking a step back from like us or anyone saying, you know, okay, we're having this workshop and that's how it's going to be. You take a step back and say, okay, well, what does that look like? And for who and how? Yeah, I would say just like a small tweak to the language. I would stop saying like, how do you create? Mm. But rather go back and say, how do you facilitate the development of it? Because you can't create it. Yeah, I mean you as a collective rather than like, okay, how do we? Yeah, sorry. I mean mean you as kind of a general you. Or even how is it created? Yes. How are safe spaces created? Yes. And what are the different roles? Because we've often said sometimes your role is to get the fuck out of the way. Yes. Move, bitch. Get out. <laughs> 100%. And I'm also just thinking like, you know, there needs to be some kind of like campaign across the humanitarian sector to just get rid of this. We're creating a safe space. Or... But it's not just, I mean, you're referencing the humanitarian sector a lot. It's not just the humanitarian sector, right? Like it's not for profits in general, both big and small. Yeah. Thinking about how to get out of the way. It's the coordination versus control. It's facilitation versus control, right? And I don't see very many organizations getting that right because it's hard. (laughs) And I wonder if the start of any conversation or discussion should be not, you know, this is safe, but, you know, tell me when you feel unsafe as a different way of flagging it. Yeah. But yeah. That was our recap of Camp Quirky, which is only relevant to about 
2% of you. <laughs> but I don't know, if you've never got into the van community and are curious about van life, then, you know, a little bit of insight there for you. Indeed. But so. it's just really interesting to link it to safe spaces. So, yes, thank you for, for doing that. It's all right. I think what we should do is build on this episode into another one that talks about maybe some examples of ways in which safe spaces are made manifest. Yes, I think it's a really good idea and seeing who's doing what. Yes, that'd be good. Useful for our listeners, I'm sure. Indeed. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for creating a safe space for me in this van today. I can't create safe spaces. We (laughs) created this together, Lauren. Have you learned (laughs) nothing from this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for partnering with me to create this space together. It's (laughs) not going to be safe in a minute because you're annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember creating this van. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes. I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. And this has been... The journey to transfer. The journey to transformation. Safe spaces. Say again. Don't include interruptions. (laughs) This has been the journey to transformation. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Journey to Transformation. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Journey to Transformation is written and edited by us, Tia Rogers and Lauren Burrows. Our music comes from Praz Canal. 